So, how about this? So, how about this? Uh, so, how about this? So, how about 2020? It has been a great year. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sad to see it go. I've heard no one say anything negative about it. It's been uh, a blast. Oh, yeah. I, I am just royally depressed that this shit show of a year is going to be soon over. Wait, you're saying it was a shit show? Oh, in the best kind of way. You know, it's, a, it's kind of like when you see a train wreck happen. And at a certain point in time, you're like, I just don't know where all these cars are coming. Like, this is <laughs> How many dead bodies can fall out of this car? Right? You're like, oh my goodness, this train car crashed and it was filled with clown cars filled with smaller people. That's... <laughs> that's it was a Lilliputian train wreck. Right. Uh so uh, just to give you a heads up, buddy, uh, right there. Yeah, I was going there. through a drawer. All right. Um, but yeah, it's been a crazy year, dude. Uh, you know, I figured we'd take a moment, talk about what's been going on in 2020, tell the people, you know, hey, shit's crazy, haven't had guests on, uh, you know, we're doing new things just like always and uh, have some fun. So, yeah, we're, uh, we got, uh, you know, we're hopefully if everybody can stop being made of poison, we'll try to get guests again and, uh, tell them about the special thing we have now, Mr. Rafiq Shaheen. Oh, by the way, your name is Rafiq Shaheen and my name is Alan Dempsey. Now, Rafiq Shaheen, tell them about the special surprise. Uh, so if you guys like anything that we do here, which, you know, is hard to believe, but Very. if you like- if you like anything that we do here, uh, we have T-shirts now. Hey! Woo! I'm more surprised than anybody. I get a text from Rafiq, our merch is ready. And I was like, we have merch? What's happening? All right. So if you if you go to uh, teespring.com slash stores slash touch dash of dash swag because that's the only way i could get that to fucking work uh you can go to our store buy a t-shirt or like a tote bag or something uh but what was that address again that was teespring.com slash touch of swag with little dashes between each touch of swag right yes that i just now learned that (laughs) <laughs> right now <laughs> i didn't know that either <laughs> maybe i'll go buy one of my own t-shirts right you can go there you can buy t-shirts i'm gonna be making up more designs as we go forward uh you know but right now i have some older designs from some older projects i was working on as well as the merchandise that's our faces on your body so you know that's mm. fantastic mm. in all the right kind of ways um oh baby <laughs> and you know like uh we're trying to say i mean i'm trying to save up so we can get my uh alan like a decent setup uh so that way we sound better uh so if you like what you see go buy a t-shirt you know support please please sir may i have a microphone <laughs> all i've got is me fingerless gloves and me hat <laughs> 
there's always that thing in Oliver Twist where like they they go like, Oh, I'm poor and cockney, right? And I always look at that and I go like I know the 1800s were rough, man, but I feel like any one of you could just choose to stop being an orphan. With something like such a just choose to stop being an orphan? Is that what you just said? Yes, like just like I mean, this is the era of like child labor, so I'm like, you couldn't show up at a factory and like just be like, "Hey, man, I'll lose a couple fingers." Like, fucking put me to work. Like, hey, have you ever seen the movie uh, Big Shots? No, I don't think so. It's like one of those 80s kids go on an adventure movies and this white kid ends up in like the scary black part of town because you know black people are scary you know how that goes and uh he runs into a black kid who's about his age and the black kid has been like totally living on his own and taking care of himself for like two years like he has an apartment it's awesome (laughs) (laughs) yes that sounds and all i'm saying is i go oliver twist doesn't have the hustle of a black man. <laughs> well, not many people do. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, baby. I don't know. Like uh So uh, we wanted to uh we wanted to really close out this year with some some joy by talking about all the hell that we've been through this year. And uh was Not that? just but there have been some good moments too, which you know gonna talk about. So we we've each come prepared. Well, I came kind of prepared. I've got at least two things I could talk about, but you had three things you definitely wanted to go with. So yeah. you go first. All right. Um. So I guess you know since we're just talking about what's been going on with us and the big things ever. 2020 and running the fucking podcast is I got a new job. Yeah. Me too. Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's, that's one of the weird things about this year is like so many people got new jobs, but not by choice. (laughs) Well, I interrupted. Tell, tell us all. And here's one thing that I've learned about you, uh, in the what, two years or whatever we've been doing this podcast is, uh, you love every job you've ever had. So let's hear about how much you love this job that you have. I So I will say this. My love for every job that I've ever had is still continuing strong. Uh-huh. But as time goes on, the thing that drives me nuts is kind of shrinking in size. How can this be? Did you finally find a therapist? No. Uh, So, like, this is the thing, right? So, ever since I've started working as an adult, adult, like, you know how you have your first job when you're a kid and you're like, I've got a real job. And then you, like, turn 21 and you get your first real job. And you're like, oh, I didn't fucking know anything when I was, like, 17. Like, what that Like... So ever since then, I've been working jobs in which, like, I'm good at, right? But I, my heart's not really in them because the thing I want to do, right, doesn't pay well and doesn't fucking it, – it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, <laughs> to put it mildly, to get into it, uh, you know? Right. And I'm still working towards that end goal. I still want to 
perform, you know, on a professional level and uh, still working at that. But like, I've been working day jobs like most people, you know, most people go to work and they're like, I hate this job, but like, I want to not suck dick in an alleyway in order to afford rent. So all those people cowards. Right. I mean, now they've just transitioned. Now it's not in an alleyway. Now at least they get to do it in the comfort of their own home in front of their OnlyFans. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. If anyone wanted to see me naked, I'm, I, you can promise you I may have an OnlyFans myself this moment. I, and I, okay, so get it off topic, but like, I, there's always something about OnlyFans where I go, I can't believe that like just as a society we're all going like oh no it's not whoring yourself out it's an only fans it's socially acceptable because i'm huge on body positivity so i go like hell yeah do whatever you want all right like suck as much dick as you want as long as that makes you feel good you're not hurting anybody but it just boggles my mind that like i haven't heard like like even a snippet of like some church pastor ranting about only fans from the pulpit well i think that's because he doesn't know about it yet it i don't think it's, i don't think it has slipped into the mainstream as much as you think it has i i think there's i think if you went into your regular white bread vanilla office and just went from cubicle to cubicle and said do you know what only fans is do you know what only fans is i think you'd probably get a 40 percent positive on that you know, you got to remember, you and I hang out with weirdos. So, we know, and not only that, we are both tragically perverted. So, we know what the fucking OnlyFans is. Okay, hold up. I got to take you back a second. Tragically perverted? Well, you know, I mean, we are talking about you and I here. Right. I mean, like, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm saying, when you use the word tragically perverted, we're talking like Shakespearean levels of like, oh no. Compared compared to the sexual expectations of Shakespeare's time, we are tragically perverted. You know what? I will absolutely give you that. I I will will send my comments, Your Honor. Yeah. Yes. Strike that one from the record, Your Honor. I'll have none of that in my court. Right. Um, so, yes. I, so, I how much? So, the real question is, just how much do you hate the current job? I hate it less than I did working at the casino. Okay. Um, just saying something, right? So, if anyone, since we're just putting this out there, I used to work. I used to work for a private security. I used to actually. I used to work for a personal security company. Then I worked for a private security. Then I worked for the federal government, and now then I worked for the casino, and now I'm working for a government organization again because the air is made of poison, and those jobs have become available. Uh, And those jobs pay surprisingly well. But, you know, like, uh, it's kind of a weird transition because I went from being classified as an essential employee when I was working at the casino to now no longer being an essential employee, despite the fact that I work for the government. Aren't you doing, uh, you know, not to blow up your spot here, but you're doing like COVID related work, aren't you? Yes. So like, but you're not essential. 
yeah, I'm not classified as essential. So I can just lose my job tomorrow if we go back into lockdown. (laughs) But, you know, meanwhile, if you work at the casino, you're classified as an essential employee. And uh, it's you and McDonald's, I guess, who are (laughs) classified as essential. Yes. And Wendy's and Burger King. Don't forget Taco Bell. If the COVID won't kill you, the Taco Bell will. Right. They put that on their, out like on their fucking sign. <laughs> Did I ever tell you how nuts that used to drive me when I was working at the casino and I would <laughs> see fucking McDonald's open? Oh, you've told me. Right? Like, it, just for the people at home, it like, it, uh, it boggles my mind because it's, it, lockdown happened here in Florida. Everybody was like, all right, two weeks, uh, stay inside. We'll get this under control, except every day I drove outside, people were making more and more excuses for why they were essential. It's like, oh, well, construction workers are essential. And it's like, who the fuck are you building this for? Right? Like, do you got to be somewhere? Oh, well, McDonald's is essential. It's a, it's a, I mean, was it ever officially declared essential or did it just not close? You know, that's actually a good question. Like, I don't, I can't remember. I, I know at my last shitty job, I received a little letter that I still have my glove compartment box stating that if I got pulled over by the police to explain how I was classified as essential. That's I don't know. I don't know if McDonald's. By the way, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. We're also, we're also acknowledging that the casino was open during lockdown, right? Well, so partially, right? Because the casino was all federal land, so they could do whatever the fuck they wanted. Uh, but the, the casino wasn't open, but they still needed security personnel on you know company grounds because it's a fucking billion dollar facility. You know, you don't want some homeless guy you know breaking in and sleeping on Elvis's gold piano. <laughs> but. <laughs> Oh, I want to sleep on Elvis's gold piano now. <laughs> Sounds awesome. So, you know, like you, you would show up and, you know, it was this whole thing of like, well, like, you're essential to us. And it's like, I don't think that's what this is supposed to mean. But Oh, I've got a total, like, urban legend friend of a friend Elvis story, if you want to hear it. Oh, go ahead. So this is a total friend of a friend. Like, my dad knew a guy who knew a guy. So... Who knows if any of this is in any way true, but apparently there was this guy who like wound up at Elvis's house one night, like when during one of Elvis's parties and he had a, Elvis had a piano in the corner and the guy was playing piano and Elvis asked him to play some old gospel song, like just a closer walk with the or whatever. And, um, and Elvis like really liked it and started paying the guy like, $50,000 a year or something. And we're talking like, you know, 1960, $50,000 a year. And apparently this guy's only job was 24 hours a day. He was on call. So when Elvis wanted to hear just a closer walk with thee, he would have to like drag his ass out of bed and go play just a closer walk with thee for Elvis and then go back to bed. Dude. Uh, see, here's the thing about rich people, right? There's a certain level of rich where you do get that, like, detached from humanity. And I got to admit, if I could find the right rich person to hang around, 
who's like, yeah, man, I pay Rafiq, you know, like $120,000 a year just because he makes the best Kermit the Frog voice I've ever heard. <laughs> right. I'd be like, yeah, man. Well, I, there's also, I think there's also kind of a baller thing going on there, too, where Elvis is like, yeah, I'm the man. I can pay people to make frog voices for me all day, motherfucker. Yeah, right? And, like, that, that's the trade-off, right? Is you got to find, like, one rich person who's that crazy, but not enough that they involve you in, like, the real serious shit. Well, you it's also I mean? that old money versus new money thing, right? You and I were just talking... The last time you were here at my house, we were talking about how you wanted to have a 24-hour blowjob. You wanted to be so rich that you could have somebody on your penis for 24 full hours. Like That's new money thinking. If you were born into money, you wouldn't do that shit. You'd be, you know, creating weird wrestling and and shooting shooting your wrestlers. See, but that's the thing, right? The the only difference is... Old money has already done that before. Right, exactly. So they, they've moved beyond the realm of, well, I'm going to pay. And to be in my defense, I technically said a team of people to blow me for I 20 somebody. I didn't, I didn't qualify that it had to be the same person. <laughs> I, I, I still stand by that. The idea of like, hey, man, I'm just going to try and see what the sensation is for 24 hours. It would be... Get- there's no way that it doesn't eventually become miserable. And it, it's not hour 18 that it becomes miserable. It becomes miserable at like hour 2.5. There comes a point where it's like, okay, this is starting to like annoy me. I need this to stop. See, here's the question, right? Because I go, if you hit hour 2.5, right, and it's miserable, but then at hour... 3.25 it goes from miserable to glorious again <laughs> i With go the help of cocaine right i go what's that point right it's so, so it's really not even a, a pleasure thing it's just an endurance test for you <laughs> kind of i guess yeah um, <laughs> about it, right how many famous people have you heard of right who have been who have died from choke jerking. There was, uh, I mean, it, it's all rumor, right? But I think they said the guy from NXS died from that. Um, Carradine apparently died from that. Right. I got and, two. But, That's two. Right. And this is my point though, is like, <clears throat> I would never do it just because I, I wholeheartedly, I'm a wuss. So I go, no, nah, I'm too afraid of even acting. Accidentally choking myself a little bit. Rafik, you're such a pussy that you won't risk killing yourself to jerk off. You're such a wuss. I don't even know why I hang out with you. Right. But my point is, is like, like choke jerking has got to be some like hallelujah chorus nonsense in order for you to even consider doing it. Well, right? I think really the, I think really the crux of it is doing it alone. That's really where it gets stupid. Like, if if I knew, like, I don't even really think I understand how to do it right. But if I knew how to do it right, like, okay, you know, lady that I'm fucking, you want to try the choke thing? So you stand over there and keep a close eye on me so as I don't die. Like, it just seems pretty, like, did David Carradine have a hard time finding pussy? Is that what you're telling me? 
Yeah, and so I think in Good post, Day Carradine, by the way, post Kill Bill, David Carradine. Yeah, but <clears throat> I think a lot of that it, fame didn't really stick with him post Kill Bill. You know what I mean? Like yeah, dude, all he had to do was walk into a horror convention and point. You, you, and you. We're fucking. Let's go. I think you're vastly overestimating how good looking David Carradine was. It's not about good looking. You know that. It's about, oh, he's the guy from Kill Bill. I'm a fuck him. <laughs> Maybe. I, I'll, I'll, do, I'll think about this and get back to you. I really feel the need to. <laughs> good looking. Have you seen the male celebrities out there? I mean that's fair. I although my my point still stands though is like you got to be it like it has to be some next level shit in order for like if you look at David Carradine right in your example and you go there's got to be something intrinsically extra about this experience and for in order for you to go like yeah I'm on board with this so I look at that and I go. There's got to be some, like maybe something about getting blown for 24 hours hit that extra spot where you go like so the first four hours are terrible and then you hit hour five and it's like you're on an acid trip for the next six like <laughs> yeah okay I think I see what you're saying it's kind of like it's kind of like going into like one of those weird hot huts and doing weird breathing shit. And it sucks for a while, and then eventually, like, you start to see God. Right? And that's my point, is I go, at what moment, right? Because I'm, I go, if you have a fucking billion dollars, like a billion, maybe not even a billion, like a hundred million dollars. Oh, there right? are some toothless skanks out there. You don't need, you don't need a billion for your 24-hour blowjob. Yeah, but I mean, like you want them to be. I like, think if you, I think if you made a hundred and twenty grand a year, you could find, you could find participants. Now they wouldn't be quality participants, but you could yeah. find participants. But that's what I'm saying is find yourself some quality participants. Let's set it. Let's set it at five million, right? Yeah, five million dollars to pay the people what they whatever they need to be paid. If they want to be paid, who knows. Maybe you put out a casting call and explain what's going on. I don't know how you set that up, but that's you put a, a thing. link on your OnlyFans, right? Yeah, exactly. All back. <laughs> so I go again. First hour, you're like, "Oh, this is amazing." Second hour, you're like, "This is miserable." Hour three, you're like, "This is the worst." Why did I ever do this? And then you hit hour four, and it's like. Holy shit! Like I can speak other languages now. <laughs> I've uh, I've opened the third eye that I didn't know that I had. Turns out it's not in your forehead; it's on the tip of your dick. Like that's. It almost sounds like uh, like it's it's a perseverance through torture or something. Like it's it's. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want someone to punch me in the face for 24 hours on the off chance that by hour five, it'll start to get awesome. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm not saying like, yeah, okay, this has to be done. I'm just saying my my original point, and just to explain to the people at home, is like my original point is 
the reason the thing that I don't like about the uber wealthy, you know, is the fact of like you never hear about like any of this shit. You always hear of like some rich dude buying a new mansion or like fucking raising the prices on like fucking you know EpiPens or some bullshit or like that I think his name was like Martin Chirecki Strelly, or whatever. Yeah, that douchebag buying like the only copy of a record. I think yeah. today, I don't even think it was yesterday. I think this morning as I was getting ready for work, I was thinking about that, how he bought that Wu-Tang record. Right. And it, it, just brought that up. Right. And I look at that and I go like, the problem I have is like, that's so boring. <laughs> right. Like, it's I, so- here's the thing. That guy's a turd. But I do respect that he is an unapologetic Lex Luthor. Like, we finally <laughs> we finally engineered that guy. Like, I'm not even going to say that Trump is Lex Luthor, because I don't think Trump is smart enough to be Lex Luthor. Like, yeah. we, could, we could do the whole thing about how evil Trump is. I don't think he's evil. I think he's an idiot, you know. But Shrelly is like, no, dude, I'm evil. I'm, I'm straight evil. And I don't care. And guess what? You can't do anything about it. Ha ha. Right. See, and we've talked about this before, person to person, but I actually have a soft spot, a soft spot for that kind of like devilishness. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because I go, if you're so evil that when someone goes like, hey man, you're a Nazi, and then you go, oh, I know, and then you fucking zig heil out of there, I go, you, you got to respect the fact that yeah, he like, did You're not even push. like... You're not even like secretively Nazi. You're just like, oh yeah, dude, straight up Nazi. Watch me step out of here and watch you do nothing about it. Clop, 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 clop. Right. And I look at that dude and I go, that guy is such a huge turd. Let's go kick his ass. But I also go, you do kind of have to respect the fact of like, he's such a fucking asshole that he just owned the fact that he was an asshole. Exactly. <laughs> They just say, you got to respect it on some level. At right. some point, you got to go, you know what, Joker? You're a sadistic psycho, but I respect your game. Right? Like, it's like, hey, man, hands down. You, you figure this shit out. Man. All right. <laughs> so uh, I also, in 2020, I got a new job. I got laid off in March. And I was working for a live entertainment company and then the world shut down. So you can do the math there. Mm-hmm. And from March, from mid-March to mid-November, like the days are almost exactly the same. It was like March 19th, November 16th, something like that. I was completely unemployed. Uh, so, you know, 2020 was awesome. Uh, <clears throat> and the Florida, I wish I could make this funnier for the podcast but i just have like the florida unemployment system was so ass backwards for months because the entire state was suddenly unemployed i I read an article that said employment was going up before covid in in the state of florida so the Mm -hmm. unemployment office had like whittled their staff down to like six people or something like that and then Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit and the whole state was unemployed. So I can't begin to describe to you how ass backwards. It took me a month. I couldn't get on because I couldn't get my password. 
So it took me a month, a month to just to be able to get someone on the phone to get a password. Then it took me another month to be able to use the website and use the password because the website was so overloaded. Then, then I, to this day, I cannot tell you how or what or when I was supposed to be getting money. Because the website kept telling me, I had this whole situation where I got laid off in like 2014. So I was on an unemployment back then. And the website kept telling me, we can't give you money because you owe us money from 2014. There's a whole backstory there. But then like, I just kept getting money and I don't know where that money was coming from. And then like, I was supposed to be direct deposit, but one day I went to my mailbox and there was a paper check for unemployment like it never made any kind of sense ever dude so i had a similar thing when i transitioned from the uh so the casino put me on uh furlough at one point in time because they were trying to they're a billion dollar company but they're trying to save i guess twenty thousand dollars in you know paychecks right so they they whittled us down to what they classified essential staff uh and i so i went and i applied for unemployment because i had talked to somebody and they're like oh yeah like if you're furloughed for any reason you can apply and so i applied and i was like well i'll be fine you know it sucks it's gonna take money out of my account but you know whatever and then, like, one day I just received a check for money. For money? Like, Did it say on it? Did it say amount money? Is that what it said on the top? <laughs> right. And, like I, like, I went back and I was like, this doesn't seem right. And so, like, I tried to call a person. And then they're like, no, nah, no one's available. And I was like, okay. So like I went online and I went and I checked out and I was like, was this a stimulus check? And it was like, no. And it was like, was this another thing? And then it was like, no. And I was like, okay, well, let me not cash this because they're supposed to be sending me another one next week. Right. Uh, at least, according, at least according to the website. And then the, uh, state never sent me another check. So I went and went, nice. I just went like, okay, I'm just going to cash this one and call it. <laughs> Let's roll the dice on this. That's how it felt like every time unemployment gave me money for months until it, it eventually leveled off and there was like an actual schedule. But for the longest time, it was like, all right, I guess I got money now. Uh, okay, I guess I'm going to pay some bills. I don't know what's going on. Right. It's very weird because like on the one hand, you go like, I don't want to cheat the system, but the system is so fucked up that you're like, I can't tell if I'm cheating the system. Or exactly. System. And guess what? Here's the, here's the exciting part. The state of Florida doesn't know if you cheated them because they were so fucked for so long. Right. And like, it is, it's such a weird, like in between state. <laughs> um, so do you want to go to the heavier topics? We can we can sandwich. So we had a, a positive thing there. We both got new jobs. Right. We, we, um, both, we both suffered some tragedy this year, but then we could maybe swing it around positive there at the end. Yeah, sure. Let, let's do that. Uh, um, you go first because yours is it's, – it's both bad, but yours is real bad. 
Yeah. Um, so I I think I've mentioned this before on like the Twitter account or whatever, but uh, this past year my father died. Uh, he died at the end of October. You know, um, and you know it's been, it's been a thing. It's you know it's I'm still a little raw about it. You know, like uh, well, it, yeah. It's, I mean, it's only been two months for God's sake. Not even. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the weirdest thing, you know, it's that thing about death and tragedy where, like, you, like I didn't even have a great relationship with my dad to begin with, you know what I mean? But, like, there are, there are honestly, like, random moments where, like, something will just remind me of him, and I'm like, oh, cool, I can't cry in the middle of this meeting because that just seems fucking insane. Yeah, that's a bitch. Yeah, I know that feeling, man. That's awful. You know. And let's, um, uh, you know... I don't want to make light, but I do find it. If we're talking about 2020 sucks, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, like I'm, I'm tiptoeing here because I don't want to be crass, but no, I, I think it's worth, I think it's worth mentioning that your dad didn't even get hit by COVID. Yes. Like, that's right. how bad 2020 sucked. It, it right. He just had his situation and left, you know? Yeah, and like that, and I guess that's one of the weirder things about it is because, like, on the one hand, you know, as a comic, you know, the, so like, pretty much like the a night or two before he passed, I was on stage, and you know, it was one of those things where it's like I don't even know if I'm going to be able to see my dad before he dies, just because of COVID and everything like that. So on the one hand, my comic brain is just going like, make a joke about it make a joke. Right. That's what you do. Like make it funny. That's the thing, you know? Uh, and like, I kind of did at one point, even though I, uh, even though I was like, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but like some, I, I have a joke that I've said to you before, but I have a joke about Casey Anthony that I do from time to time. And like some, I did it that night and some dude was like very disapproving of it. And he was like, uh, you can hear him like grumbling, like, oh, it's a tragedy what happened, blah, blah, blah. And so like, without thinking about it, I was like, between you and my dying dad, that's two people disappointed in my comedy. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. You know, and it's one of those things where it's like, it like, it's such a, it was such a difficult moment because again, you're not trying to make light of it, but there's also part of me going, you know, Robert Shaheen dying in 2020 is such a Robert Shaheen thing to do. To <laughs> <laughs> take this year full of tragedy and hardship and be like, but what about me, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, like, uh, you know, it's, it's been difficult, like, uh, you know. We, we just recently went and scattered his ashes, which was kind of an interesting experience. Um, so, like, we, we used to have this house up in Virginia that, you know, he owned for years and years and years, and he loved it. And eventually, you know, once things got really bad and he lost most of his money and everything like that later on in his life, he had to end up selling that house, right? Uh and like it was interesting going back there to scatter his ashes for two reasons. One, because we were definitely breaking. Turn off your computer audio. You're getting text messages. I'm not going to hear it, you dingus. I, I'm not getting any text messages. I'm hearing boom. Oh, shit. Maybe um, that's me. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> uh, that is me. Sorry. 
Oh, I'm hearing it only through my headphones. That's why I got confused. I apologize. Uh, so, um, it's so it was a weird thing because we were definitely trespassing on somebody else's property at that point. Yeah, but we we went out into the woods back behind this house, and uh, you know we scattered his ashes, which was kind of a nice thing. Uh, it was also very interesting because it, it you, you have you ever heard of that expression of like you can never go home again? Oh yeah. So it was one of those moments because like we were there and there's always been a part of me that's like, you know, if you ever made it rich or whatever, like you definitely need to buy that house back because it's part of your like heritage or whatever, uh, you know, kind of to not in a real like show the show the old man we could do it, but kind of as a thing of like it, it is a nice house and it is, you know, a place that I grew up in. So it would be nice to be like, well, I own this thing again, you know, that I enjoyed as a child. And now, you know, the Shaheen house is righted once more, blah, 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 blah. Right. That's a, that's a theatrical side of me, you know, at work. Sure. But, you know, going there and seeing it in person, you know, it was one of those things of like, oh, you know, like even if we did buy this house, it still looks nice, but it's still, it looks like it's falling into disrepair, you know, and it yeah. was kind of a moment of poetry because you're like, oh, wow, this is like a great metaphor for my dad's life. Oh, you God. Know, like the, it, because it was this beautiful old house that just, you know, it, it could have been something amazing. It could have been something great, but just due to neglect and because it never really managed to live up to its full potential, you know, it just kind of has hit a point where it's like, this needs serious rehab. Uh you know, and so it was one of those things where, like, we did it, and um, you know, we Tosh, we, uh, me, uh, Tosh, and his uh, wife went up, uh, you know, and scattered his ashes, and then we went and we did our usual thing where we cut down our own Christmas tree, uh, and you know, it was one of those moments where you know it was both sad and kind of poetic because it's like, well, you know, this is a real moment where you have to sit there and go like all we can do is face forward yeah i mean you know not to get weird about it but i think i think on some level there is this is going to sound really stupid but hang in there i think on some level with a death you kind of have the luxury of having kind of built-in closure if that makes sense yeah, like I mean, you, don't, you don't have to spend time wondering and contemplate. You can just go it, it you know, like the the right. and then especially if you all get together and go scatter the ashes. Like you're the 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 kind of the lines in the sand are drawn for you. Right. And, like there's no there's no continuation, you know, going forward. Right. You know, there's, there's no moment where like we're going to be sitting down at home uh, or I should say, hopefully there's no moment where we're sitting down at home and my dad throws open the door like some 80s sitcom right. TV show. And you're like, you guys left me out in the woods. You know? Right, like, exactly. Uh, I will say, you know, one of the, when you're talking about like that kind of definitive closure, one of the interesting things that I always thought about my dad's relationship and mine was there was a period of time for like a couple years where we just did not talk or see each other, you know, 
And there was always a little portion in my head that knew he was getting older. And it was legitimately to the point where it's like he could have died and I never would have known. Yeah. And so there was like a real kind of like a Shane kind of quality to that train of thought where it's like, I don't know if that would be a good thing or a bad thing. If you just hit 90 years old and you're like, I don't know if my father ever died. Maybe he has it. Maybe he's still around. Maybe he died like 40 years ago, but I don't know, you know? Yeah. So like, uh, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. I I will say I have been taking part of the reason why I haven't been pushing for new episodes and everything like I usually do is just, you know, it's (sighs) this, this whole year has taken so out, much out of me trying to be funny. Um, yeah, yeah. I, ironically, I have a show coming up. Uh, <laughs> hey, when is that show, Rafiq? It's going to be December twenty uh, third, I believe. Let me just double check on. It. All right, so make sure you come out and see Rafiq Jean on December twenty third. <laughs> You know, well, so the whole reason why I was saying that is because, like, I wrote a bunch of new jokes for it, you know, just getting ready for it and yada, yada, yada. And there's, like, a big portion of me that's, like, the show must go on, you know? Like, it doesn't matter the fact that this happened, you know? Like, you still have to be funny. You still have to, you know, push, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same point in time, it's, like, there's a lot of me that's, like, man... I don't even know if I want to do like make people laugh for right now, just because it's like, I'm so tired, you know, just because this year has taken so much out of me. It's like, I'm just tired. So let me, you know, let me give you some advice to get through this show. <clears throat> Take uh, right now, look, look around you. Tell me the first object you see. A bottle of gin. <laughs> bottle of gin. So here's what you need to do to get through this show. You get up there and you go, What's in there? a bottle of gin? And you will just annihilate. Now pick another object. You know what? I'll do it for you. Uh, uh, I have a mouse here on my computer. What's in there? a mouse? And you're just going to crush and you just name objects. And you ask people, what's the deal with that object? And you'll be fine. All right. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting, though, is I, you know, again, not not super been in the mood to be funny, but like I wrote probably like five or 10 minutes on like holiday humor since it's a holiday show. And like I did, I went out to one open mic and I kind of did some bits and like they're all well constructed. So some of them hit, some of them definitely need improvement, but there is that thing of like, just, you know, that moment where like you kind of recognize there's a certain point for the people at home. I don't know if you're other comics or just people listening. There's a certain point where like when you have been performing long enough where you can just do material and you're like, this is well constructed. Right, like mm-hmm. you, you're like you don't know if it's going to kill, you don't know if it's going to flop or whatever, but you go like people are definitely going to be interested in hearing this. You just need to see what you need to do to make it funny per se. 
you know, and it's one of those things where like, even though I've been sad and everything because of everything going on, there's part of me that's like, I was able to bang out like five to 10 minutes of this and get up on stage, do it, do okay. And then get off stage. And it's like, man, I didn't even put my heart into that. Yeah, but you're punching a bag. It's fine. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things of like, like you said, it's like punching a bag. You know, comics use that reference as far as comedy is concerned all the time. It's like open mics are like working out. You know, it's like punching a bag, getting in a street fight, you know, uh, I think that was Tracy. <laughs> playing Street Fighter, you know, playing Mortal Kombat, you know, all that stuff. No, I, mean, I, I think Tracy Morgan said that, like comedy is like getting into a boxing match or a street fight or whatever. Uh, but my my point is, is that like, you know, there is a certain point with any kind of entertainment, whether it's music or whatever, where like you've just done it enough times where you're like, you know, like, you know what the motions are. Right. Even even if you're not fucking knocking it, fucking doing a Freddie Mercury solo in the middle of fucking, you know, world tour, you go like, eh, I can hit the high notes well enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh yeah, so you know, like just been dealing with that facing forward. Uh traveled, uh, like I said, to cut down the tree, you know, after we had scattered my dad's ashes. So I have a tree in my living room that has traveled, uh, like 3000 miles to be here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's pretty much, you know, that's pretty much. <laughs> it's too bad there are no trees in Florida. But that's a, here's the thing, right? So every year we go and cut down the tree and whatever for the folks at home. Uh, because like there are trees in Florida, but they suck, dude. They suck so bad. Like the local fucking sand pines are either sharp as fucking balls, like razor sharp, like fucking knives, like ridiculous. Or they're just these wimp, limp dick kind of like long needled trees. Those little sad Charlie Brown trees. Yeah, exactly. They're the kind of trees where you're like, Charlie Brown would look at this and go like, nah, I'm good. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe I'm thinking of the Grinch. The Grinch is the one who had that real sad, like shriveled up tree where like the star was hanging by its own weight. I think both of them had that problem. I think okay. Charlie Brown, I think Charlie, Charlie Brown has the tree that's just a stick with the star. And I think it hangs. <laughs> it's uh, an old aluminum pole. And he play and he celebrates Festivus. Right. Ah, oh, Festivus. I here okay, so I'm just gonna say this just because somebody at work asked me about this. I am so fucking tired of Kwanzaa questions being oh somebody from <laughs> So have we ever I feel like we've talked about this. Have we ever talked about Kwanzaa? I uh, I, we've kind of talked about it before. Have you ever done it on mic is what I'm asking? Here's the deal. No. This is completely straight white man talking. So let's all just put that on the table. So when I was teaching, one year, it was like the week before Christmas, and I had to do something with my reading class. So uh, one day we did the Christmas story, the next day we did the Hanukkah story, and the next day we did the Kwanzaa story. 
And what I discovered is that Kwanzaa is a made-up holiday. It is. Some professor who, and I get the spirit of it. I really do. He was like, we don't have a holiday that, you know, celebrates our heritage. So what he did was he just made one up. And he just kind of went, well, this will just encompass all Africans who ended up on this land. And what do we do? I don't know, light a candle or something? Like, it's just, a guy just made up a holiday in, like, the 70s. And now it's a holiday. Dude, you know what's what's so insane about it, too, about the made-up portion of the holiday, is when you look at the actual traditions for Kwanzaa, they're like they're not even original. It's like he saw Christmas and he saw Hanukkah and he was like, I'm gonna take half <laughs> of these. There's a fucking menorah, even though they don't call it a menorah. There's a Kwanzaa bush, which is clearly just a Christmas tree. Wait a minute. I got this image now of him just going through his closet. He just go like, ah yeah, this'll work. Right? And it's so insane. And the thing that sucks about it as somebody from Africa is once a year, guaranteed, someone will ask me about Kwanzaa and part of me wants to be like, dude, that's your own made-up bullshit. We didn't have anything to do with well, this. Dude, I, and I think I think out. for me that was the shock, was that it, it, if you don't know what it is, you assume that it's coming from this like rich tradition. Oh, this person's African. They must celebrate Kwanzaa, and it's like, no, dude, that's not that's not what's happening. It's an American holiday that some dude just went. I'ma make a holiday, and it's like, nigga, I celebrate Christmas like the rest of you. Like <laughs> you know, and one of the things that boggles my mind too about it is like. You know what Kwanzaa has, at least as far as I've been adult, you know what Kwanzaa has lost out to every year is Festivus. Well, I've yeah. heard more adults talk about Festivus than I've heard them talk about Kwanzaa. So there's a certain portion of me that wants to just, just wishes I could go on TV, like have a spot on the Daily Show and just be like, hey guys, just as an announcement, we're stopping the whole Kwanzaa thing. Right, like we all agree, this 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 didn't work out. Right, so we're just gonna go. Okay, right, we might try again in another decade or so. But for right now, you guys can just stop pretending that we all know what it is and just move on. Like, just celebrate Festivus like the rest of us. Like, yes, a Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. It, it, it's so it is so boggling because again, guaranteed once per year, one, once somebody knows that I'm African, there's always like one person in my social circle who will just gradually like reach out, and they'll. It always starts off like the same weird way too. It's always like, "Hey, happy holidays," and I'm like, "Happy holidays," and they're like, "Merry Christmas," and you're like, "Merry Christmas," and they're like. You like what's the word for people who celebrate Kwanzaa? And it's like I don't know, man. It's like again, yeah. again, I I have compassion for that guy because that guy has been told that this is a rich African heritage holiday. 
So because you're African, they're like trying to be on your side and be like, you guys celebrate Kwanzaa, right? No, nobody does. (laughs) One of the bits I'm working on currently was just the fact of like, you know, this past year when I was having a conversation with somebody, there was a portion of me that was like, you know, I could just make up whatever and they would just believe that it's part of the tradition. Oh, yeah. If I just say it with enough authority, it's now part of the tradition and no one can question it. The celebrated fucking of the goat. Right. It's like, well, well, what I'm going to need in order to celebrate Kwanzaa is I'm going to need $5,000 in your 72-inch plasma screen 4K TV. And I'll thank you not to disparage my heritage, Philip. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think we're uh, getting close to the end here. Um, I'll try to end on a. I, I'm going to end on a weirdly positive for me. Um, okay. You know, my tragedy this year is I got my heart shit on. Um, and, you know, really Sorry. got really got fucked over hard by someone who. Uh, have, sorry. Have we ever, have we ever really talked about her on the podcast? Uh, here and there, I mean, inc- uh, anecdotally. Is the word incidentally? Yeah. Incidentally is probably the word. Anyway, uh, explain to the people at home what happened. I don't know what happened. That's that's what happened. She, I mean, it's not. There's no time or energy to go through it. But essentially, about November of last year, give or take, she just kind of nuked the relationship. She just kicked in the door, flipped over the card table, and said, "All right, we." Like, basically, she was like, hey, I spent the first two years teaching you that we were playing poker, but I was actually playing chess the whole time. And now you're playing chess. And if you don't like it, you can fuck off. And, and like, none of it makes any sense because it doesn't seem to have come from a place of, like... Like, she didn't have any direct complaint in the relationship. It wasn't like I was out fucking up and she had to change things it was just like suddenly overnight this is the way it's gonna be now and uh guess what it fucked up the relationship real bad and somehow in the midst of all that i got treated like i was the one who hurt her and then i got you know we were like essentially engaged You know, we had made a lifelong commitment to, you know, she broke up with me via text message. Ooh, that's always, that is like the worst way. Well, I get, I mean, maybe it's not the worst way. I, I used to break up people for money. So like, it's not the worst way to be broken up, but it's definitely up there. Like, it's such a casually cruel way to be like, no, we're done. It's like, yeah, and after, like, years of being told I was a member of the family, like, days after she broke up with me, she's like, I'm not going to stand in the way of you hanging out with these girls. And I'm like, so now I have to, now I have a gatekeeper. I was told for three years that I was a member of the family. Now I have a gatekeeper. You know, it's just right. fucking ugly. And just, so that's the negative. You know, it's been brutal because i mean it's it's shattered my life and that's what i was saying before with the death thing if if one of my family elders died there would be a ton of grief there but there's still a definitive like okay this is over you know this is like oh your entire existence has been nuked 
and I'm not comparing. I'm not saying one of us is having it harder than the other. I'm just saying, no, like, I hear what you're talking about. You know, like it's, it's that thing of like your situation is much more nebulous because yes, yes, good word. Theoretically, in like five years, she could come back and be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for everything," and then you get back together or whatever. Right. But like with my with the situation with my dad, it's like, no, that's it. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. That's what I was saying before, and I, I'm, I'm sure it sounded weird when I said it, but I think there is at least a comfort in a death of knowing, like, it is what it is, you know. Um. So I don't know. I mean, that you know, it's been horrible. It's been tragic. You know, every time I'm making progress, I still find myself the next day in tears for some reason. You know, weird little triggers that don't even barely make sense. But ending on the positive, I am uh, I'm feeling good about how do I say this without sounding just cornball? Like it sucks that I have to rebuild. It sucks that I'm in this situation. I've got a whole lot of emotional shit. I still got to sift through and will have to sift through for a while. But I'm excited by the fact that I am kind of like rebuilding my life. Like, okay, I have an opportunity here. I can, right. I can sit and wallow in this. And sometimes that you need to do that. Sometimes you do need to sit and wallow in it. But I also have the opportunity here. You know, the hardest, uh, one of the hardest parts of this for me is like, I'm going to be 42 in like four days and I'm still single and I'm still never married and basically her kids were my kids and now I'm back to having no kids. Like there's all that horse shit, but it's like, well, I'm still alive. I'm still here. And now maybe I have an opportunity to, you know, to rebuild myself and, you know, and it, it sucks that I had to be here and I, there's a lot that I will never forgive her for, but you know, I've still got the opportunity now to, you know, do that thing, go to that place, try to build yeah. that whatever, you know. There's, there's that thing Bill Burr said a long while ago about failure. And I'm not saying that, you know, what happened with you is necessarily a failure on your part or her part or the relationship. But uh, there's a thing he talks about with failure where he goes, there's worse things than being 40 years old and sleeping on a futon. Huh. That's you know, good. And he's not, when he's talking about going out to, to conquer your dreams or whatever. And, you know, in kind of the same light, you know, like there are worse things. It's it, I guess to put it in a, I guess it's my turn to be weird, but to put it like this, that's probably better that things self-destructed now, as opposed to you making this lifelong commitment, getting in like 10 years right? and then you find her shagging your dog and going, I don't love you. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of did that metaphorically. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you know what I'm talking about. It, yep. It's one of those things where, like, uh, it's funny because, like, I, <laughs> so on part of this trip, I actually set up a bunch of dates uh, with people because, you know, my dating uh, lifestyle is fucking atrocious. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know what, though? You have one. Here's the thing I don't understand I I don't do it right, apparently. Because I don't even get swipes back on the, You send me photos of these fucking goddesses. And you're like, 
I'm thinking about going out with her. I'm like, I can't get twos to swipe back on me. What is going on? Right. Uh, I mean, so, but this is the thing, though, is like talking about, you know, the differences between people. One of the things that we recently talked about that has kind of stuck with me is, you know, and especially looking at my dad and what happened with him in his life is, you know, it's kind of made me realize I might be, I, I might be going on dates with these women, but they're not turning into like real long-term relationships. Right. So I've been kind of re- rethinking my relationships, you know, with people in general and what I'm looking for in a partner, you know, because I there may be part of me that, you know, is being too draconian as like, okay, this is what I want out of a partner. Ugh, you're not that thing, you know, like you, it's that thing of like everything else is perfect except you have, you left your shoelaces untied, get the fuck out of my life and never look back, you know, kind of nonsense. So it may just be like, hey, man, you know, you don't want to be like your dad. You want to be better than that. So yeah. maybe it's time to relook and think about where you can compromise on certain things. But I, I still ascertain my two problems are I either date women. Well, my biggest problem with dating as a whole is that women aren't into me, uh, <laughs> which is always They're prime. more into you than they are me. Right. You, you always get swipes back, man. Right. But it's always that thing of like when you're dating somebody, I always find myself either with somebody who I am way more into than they are into me, you know, so inevitably they go "Eh," and they just move on. Or I find myself in a relationship with somebody who is essentially looking to me to be their like surrogate parent. And it's like, I'm not your dad. Yeah. Like I'm, I've I'm heard, I, I can't tell you the number of women that you've said that about. Where you, I, I, that is a common complaint with the girls you date, right? And and that's what I'm talking about. Where it's like, the, because those are the two problems. It, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody, you know, just before Dad passed. Where, you know, like I thought we were hitting it off, and she was like, "I'm not looking for a boyfriend right now." Yada yada yada. I was like, okay, cool, you know, like, we can just fool around, and, you know, like, maybe if you change your mind later, you know, I won't put all my hopes on it, but, you know, you won't put all your hopes on it, yada, 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 and it seemed like we were growing closer, and then just the other day, she sent me a text message that's like, yeah, I'm hanging out with the almost boyfriend, and it's like, oh, cool, so you moved on way <laughs> faster than I did. Oh, but I thought I was the almost boyfriend, I get it now. Right. You know, uh, and so that's what I'm saying to you about you in this situation is that there are worse things than this happening. And, you know, now's the time maybe to, you know, rethink what's going on and the kind of people you're attracted to and yada, yada, yada. You know, and like you said, take yeah, a pause. And I've been, um, you know, not to get too into it, but I, I've definitely made some good choices in that regard you know i've i've had i've had the opportunity to indulge some uh some urges that i said you know what this may end up being long-term painful for either me or the other person so now's not the time for me to be doing that even though i could get away with doing that you know like i 
Right. You know, yeah, whatever. It, it's it's that thing about hedonism where you're like, oh, cool, so I can do this with no consequences, and then there are consequences, and you're like, somebody lied to me about this. Thing. Right. Like, I mean, there's. I think there's a definitely a difference between like swinger party hedonism and like friends with benefits hedonism. Like, right. The second one sounds great on paper. How often does that really work in the real world? And also, it's a <clears throat> Again, learning, growing, it, it's a condition of looking at the parties involved. You know, maybe right. I could be a legit friends with benefits with that person, but I can tell between me and this other person, it's not going to happen, you know. So I, I I know this is a weird tangent to go on, especially since we're getting so close to the end of this recording, yeah. but like... Do you think that's the reason why, like, elderly people in nursing homes fuck so much? I think I, that, you know, you're... Okay, so you're talking about consequences, right? Well, nobody's getting pregnant. If if you get a disease, what? You're 70 anyway. Who gives a shit? You know? Right, I, but that, that's part of what I'm talking about with, like, the difference, like you're saying, between friends with benefits and, like, square party hedonism. Because, like, if you're... 70 80 you know whatever you can just look i feel like you're at that age where you can just look at people and you're like well ethel would be good swinger party you know material but she's definitely not friends with benefits material so like eh, i'll fuck her in this context but not in this context right well and, and that's what i'm saying like it may not even be about ethel it may not be her like it, it, it's the two of you is what I'm saying. You know, right. like I know that I could just casually fuck this person, but I know if I started casually fucking that person, it's probably going to get messy, you know? Yeah. And, and you know that, I guess that is something you just learn as you get older is you just learn to spot the people where you're like, this is a yes, this is a yes, this would be a no, this is someone I'd fall in love with who would fuck up my life, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, but, you know, you know, take, I guess I guess all I'm urging you to do is like, hey, take some heart in this like you have been. You know, there are worst, there are worst experiences you could have gone through. Yeah, so. and I'm, uh, you know, it hasn't been easy and it, and I don't, by any means pretend it's over. I mean, it was early August, so it's not even yet been like five months, but uh, um, dude, that is the thing that fucks me up the most about 2020 is like, not to interrupt you, but like this has been a year where there has just been so much shit going on that like I legit until you said that right now thought that this had occurred a year ago. Wow. Like, yeah, no, I got, I got shit on in early August. Right, yeah, exactly. And it's like, when I think of dad dying, it didn't dawn on me until just now. It's like, oh, that was only like a month and a half ago. Right, exactly. In my brain, it's like, that was like half a year ago, right? Like, So, but, you know, whatever. In, in that time, in the last four, whatever months it's been, um, it has been easy, and I, you know, if you talk about like falling off the wagon emotionally, you know, or like taking steps back, or you know, however you want to phrase it, I've definitely done that. 
and I probably will again. But, you know, I've also like have to keep reminding myself like, no, I made some really good choices. Like not even a full week later, I wrote her a goodbye letter and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> like I'm, I'm done with this right. shit, you know? And like, that was a really good choice. And, you know, you remember, look, I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I've been drinking. I actually texted you and like five other people one day and I was like, dude, tell me right now why I shouldn't email her because I'm having a real hard time. And I got this right. wonderful response from everybody that was like, hey, man, remember how she treated you like shit? And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Thanks. Right. And that and that's the thing, dude, is like. You, you are absolutely on point with that where it's like, yeah, it's going to take time and it's going to take, you know, and you're probably going to backslide like we all do when we're in that situation. But, you know, at least you have now put a cap on that for 2020 exactly. and you, it's like, Hey man, there's like 21 days left in this year. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it don't get worse before then, but like this has been such a crazy year so far. Oh, just wait. Trump will find a way to steal the election and it'll it'll just it'll make twenty twenty like a beautiful little bow at the end. <laughs> oh, dude, before we go, I, I so I wanted to play this game with you just one day out of the blue, and I feel like now's a good time to. What is the craziest story you so much has happened in twenty twenty? What is the craziest story you can remember from 2020? God. Um, the, the first thing that pops into my head, even though technically these events didn't happen in 2020, but the first thing that pops into my head is Tiger King. Just, <laughs> just go watch Tiger King. And just It was released in 2020, so, but just the events... Like, every time you think these people can't get more insane, they get more insane. Right. For me, the the moment that we 2020 jumped the shark was literally when 2020 introduced lava sharks. And I think that was, like, in June or, Dude, like, June. I don't even June. know what you're talking about. What is a lot? By the way, when did we start our ska band called the Lava Sharks? Right. So, the, again, this is what I'm talking about, like how insane 2020 has been. So I think it was like June or July or something like that. Remember when we were all playing that game where everyone was doing like 2020 bingo and they're like, oh, right. what other crazy shit did anyone have for this month? Like Jared Leto's sex cult, which is a real thing. Yes, uh, they're calling him the prophet. Right. Uh, Did you hear about him coming back? You know what? Fuck it. This may be a double parter because now I'm excited. Did you hear about how he didn't even know any of this was going on? Wait, what do you mean he didn't know that this was going on? No, not his cult. Sorry. COVID. He he was out. I don't know if he was with his cult, but he was out doing some bored rich people shit, like going to some retreat, you know, where they sit in a hut and breathe or whatever. And then like just was doing that for a few months and then came back home, and the world was shut down. He was like, huh? What's happening? What's going on? <laughs> Dude, how? Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine to be uh, begin to imagine how weird that would be. 
right? Like imagine if you were just sitting around in the vault, right? Right. And then you came out and someone was like, oh, by the way, this is what you've missed in the first three months of 2020. We are now eight months in. You have a lot of shit to catch up on. You know what? We're not talking about the one thing we should have been talking about for the last hour and 12 minutes. What the fuck is a lava shark? Okay. So, again, it happened in, I think it was like June or July of this year. But, like, somebody was studying, like, volcanic uh, activity on, like, the sea floor out in, I think it was, like, the Pacific Ocean. And they discovered there's, like, a... a specific breed of shark that has started making their schools uh, around these lava vents. So they kind of like live amongst these lava vents. So somebody just coined the term lava sharks. That's like uh, some Jack Kirby shit, man. Right. And there was a part of me that was like, this is the moment where like the, the writers for 2020 have just been like, we don't know what we're doing anymore. Like, we, we got, so are we going to do the eruption thing? Or are we going to do shark attacks, you know, like orphanage? And someone was like, why don't, we don't have enough time in the episode for it. So why don't we just put the two of them together and just do lava sharks? Hey, I got another positive for 2020. You ready for this? Go ahead. There has been... A- it, let's let's put it this way. In my world and the things that I consume, there has been a lot of really good entertainment to come out this year. I've bought a lot of really good new albums. Mr. Bungle came back and released an album that is fucking fantastic. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of really good movies and TV shows that came out in 2020. This has been a pretty decent fucking year for entertainment, man. So I think that's kind of the weird catch-22 about it, right? Is because I feel like... Because I don't know how many of those shows were made during quarantine itself. Right. Right? Like, or if this was just one of those things where it's like, hey, man, you're trapped home alone. You got nothing to do. If you are like a semi-rich musician or whatever and you got your own recording studio, why the fuck wouldn't you... You know, like you're at home for six months. Why wouldn't you try and knock out a new album? You got no other distractions. No one's calling you to fucking hang out with them. So fucking do it, right? Like yeah. <clears throat> Circle of Dust. They they haven't released the full album. They're going to release the full album in 2021, which is funny. They're doing their 25th anniversary mix. It's they. It's he. He is going to do the right. first... What's funny about that is he didn't finish it in 2020. So in 2021, he's going to release the 25th anniversary album, but it will be the 26th year. Right. But uh, it's really, if, if anyone out there knows anything that I'm talking about, this guy released like techno industrial music in 95. Then he remastered it. No, let's back up. In 92, he records an album. In 95, he gets the opportunity to re-record the album because he wasn't happy with it. In 2016, he got the rights back to the album and remastered it. And now in 2020, he's completely remixing the thing from the ground up using like modern mixing stuff. And uh, I'm the asshole who will keep buying this album no matter how many times he releases it. (laughs) 
Just can't keep on supporting this one day. There's one album that he can't let go of. Uh, dude. Oh, so speaking of not letting go of things and people dying in 2020, did you hear about Kanye West's digital necromancy? That does not jibe with his Jesus stuff, man. I'm not. I'm. I'm very disappointed in him. <laughs> right. I didn't so, hear about this. You got to tell me about this. Okay. So Kim Kardashian, I you know me. I don't really give a fuck about celebrities for the most part. You know, if you show me like a photo of you know Bruce or Kylie Jenner and a photo of Bruce Jenner, and you're like, are these two different people? I'd go. I don't know who either of them are. I I don't know any of these people. What are you talking about? Uh, Like, I've heard the name before. You don't care so much that you said the wrong name. You said Kylie and her name is Caitlin, which I respect, which I fucking respect. Right. But um, my point is, is that like, uh, so for Kim, for his wife's birthday, uh, Kanye West got one of those CGI like digital holograms made of Kim Kardashian's father. I think it's I think it's Kim Kardashian. Whoever his wife is. Yeah, it's Kim. Um, I'm uh, disappointed in myself. I should know as less I should know as little as you do, but I apparently need to correct you. So that I need I need I, there's still work to be done inside of me. <laughs> because apparently I care enough to know her name. So all, all I really know about the Kardashians is there's Kim Kardashian and then there's like and the other two, right? There's like two or three others and their father was Johnny Cochran. Uh, and I think it so he, got a, he, he, t- he got Kim to talk to her CGI dad. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. So he, he got a CGI hologram of her father made who went on to tell her how proud he is of her. Oh, no. Oh, God. And, again, just out of pure insanity, how great of a husband Kanye was. Oh, my God. I need to see this. Right. And it is one of those things where I go, man, I don't know if I can't wait for the singularity or if it's going to suck balls. (laughs) Right, because the idea of me passing away, or not even, let's say we go forty years into the future. Right, I'm an old fucking man now, and one of my grandkids goes, "Hey, Dad, uh, you know, uh, for Granddad's birthday, let's bring his dead father back to life, so he can have one final so conversation." He can, so he can tell his daughter how great this other guy is. So we can make it about right. that guy. Right. And I, because I go, I, I go, I don't even know how I would handle that, but, but this is going back to calling back to what we were talking about before. I ha- I do have to give Kanye West props as far as being a rich, crazy person is concerned. He, that's he a pretty it. high watermark to hit. Yeah. He, like, nailed it. He, he might be your guy. Right. Because I go like, Yo, because I feel going like, yo, Kanye, let's go have an actual naval battle, right? Let's go get a fucking. But stay with me on this. The boats. Oh God, I, it's in my head, and I don't know if I can get it out of my mouth. Like you remember when you were a kid, like the big wheels. 
where there was like right. where there was like a giant kid in the middle of a tiny little four wheeler. Right. That's what the boats are. So like the top half of your body is sticking out of this small replica of like a naval with like torpedoes and shit on it. Right. See, but that's my point though, is I go, I record I suggest that and Kanye goes, nah, we gonna be ancient Roman uh captains and have full-fledged naval battles. And you're like, what do you mean? And Kanye's like, I'm going to own some slaves. And you're like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) And then before you know it, like there's a photo of like you kind of like trepidly behind Kanye West on like a Roman trireme, right? Like sailing the ocean with a league of other ships. And then you just conquer Greece at one point, and you're like, I don't even fucking know how this happens, man. <laughs> like, Connie's got way too much fucking money, and no one's gonna stop him. <laughs> like, oh man, like, um, I get digital fucking necromancy. That's like good. that, the murder hornets were a thing this murder year. Hornets, yeah, I always <laughs> wanted. I I always like to come up with band names. My band name for this year was COVID and the Murder Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> that's not okay so here i guess going along with that here's my question what's the first three songs on the album well it's clearly a rockabilly band right. so if we're doing covers you know i don't know maybe oh boy some buddy holly okay. uh, that's all i got here's my question the three titles all right. Well, like song number one is what? Oh, I don't know, man. It's a rock and roll band. We haven't we haven't started recording yet. <laughs> don't put all this pressure on me, producer. Uh, we're still think- we're still trying to buy the right hair gel. So you know, back up. <laughs> all right. Oh, dude, oh, fucking going all the way back. You remember when everyone was buying fucking toilet paper in bulk? Did I tell you about accidentally having toilet paper in bulk? No. I have not purchased toilet paper. I think in the year of 2020, I have purchased toilet paper twice. So, okay. You know how Amazon does their subscriptions? Mm-hmm. There's a certain kind of toilet paper that I really like that I couldn't find anywhere, but I could find it on Amazon. And I didn't realize that I was buying like these cases of it that were like, I don't know, a million rolls per case. I don't know what the numbers are, but I was buying. But then I tried to like alter the subscription because I was getting too much. And somehow I just I subscribed to it twice so like, oh, I no. just kept coming home to these cases <laughs> of toilet paper, <laughs> and then when the toilet paper fever hit, I just like opened my garage door and I was like, "I'm golden," and just closed my door and moved on. <laughs> so okay, so this is for me. My insane toilet paper thing was. I found a bulk roll of toilet paper in an abandoned shopping cart at a Sam's Club, like maybe like two months before all of this. Like, 
probably in December of last year, I found it. And it was like one of those 48 roll packs or whatever. And so I've had it in my apartment this entire time. I'm only down to the last roll now. Nice. So there's somebody that's looking around going like, you insane motherfuckers who are buying like the three packs of 36 roll toilet paper. Like how, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? I, like, what was the fear there? I don't even remember acutely what prompted people to just go start buying toilet paper. It was just, a, it's one of those insane things about 2020 that when you look back in the history books and somebody goes, the great toilet paper scare of 2020, I kind of go. Yeah, it, it is. I, I also, I had that same reaction. I was like, of all the things to get in a panic about, like, you're not, you're not worried about fruit. Like that, nobody's fighting over apples, <laughs> right? It's like it's like you're not seeing that crazy. I guess I guess to a certain extent, people wanted it to be the end so badly too. Like, does that make sense? Yeah, I think there's definitely a uh, not to get all Grant Morrison here, but I, I think there there is something to the idea that like you you start to try to push an idea into reality. So like when COVID first started happening and the lockdowns first started happening, the number of people I saw on social media who were like unironically saying like, it's about to get all Mad Max. You know, it's like, there's this thing where we kind of, we, we create the reality we want to see, you know? Right. Which sucks because that means our version of Mad Max is so fucking lame. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like nobody's wearing like assless leather chaps in the streets. Like, I know. There's no, there's no guy with a hockey mask on who's challenging me for gasoline. This is bullshit. Just walk away. Just walk away. <laughs> you know, like it's it's so like that's always the disappointing thing for me about like the difference between what we see on the big screen and how people think it's going to play out in real life, because there's always part of you that goes, it's not going to be that same way. Right. You know, like it's not, it's never okay. You know, like the aliens are going to show up and it's going to be this big spectacle and we're going to defeat them in this climactic battle or whatever. Right. And you go, it's just going to be a thing. But there's always part of you that goes like, but it should be cooler than it actually is. And what it usually is is so fucking lame. That's actually one of the things I kind of respect about Star Wars is that like the Empire was so bad. But like how often are these people just bouncing from planet to planet and they're fine? Like right. people are buying, yeah. people are selling, nobody's being blown up, you know? Yeah, I'd be like, that is a good point. It's like Mos Eisley was still a running city, even yeah, at the end. Just fine. Mos Eisley was fine. Yeah, it's it's always so weird because like you hit those moments where like you're again as somebody who watches way too much fucking movies and television, whatever. You're like, oh yeah, man, I can't wait until the cool thing happens, and then real life gets in the way, and you're like, oh, this is so fucking lame until 
every now and again you actually hit the adventurous portion of the thing and it's just so much more insane than anything you've ever seen in a movie and you're like oh wow like this is wow <laughs> and it's like I, it's it just sucks because there's no in between Again, you want the zombie apocalypse where you're like, all right, cool. It's going to be like me and Alan and like three like grungy dudes and like four hot and inexplicably hot women, despite the fact that there should be like no makeup. Look, (laughs) let me just tell you now, when it does go on Mad Max, because we clearly want it to. Um, you don't want me on your side. You're going to have to take care of me. I'm going to start bleeding from the ass. The insulin's going to start to become a problem. Just, it's not, it's, you don't, you don't need me. Trust me. You know, it, it's funny that you say that. I actually read a story last, actually it might've been last year. Or it might've been the year before. Uh, I, I think it's called a uh, six seconds after midnight. I think it was, but the whole idea was a EMP hits the U S and it's like, how do we survive after that, right? And one of the first sad things that happens in the book is like uh, the family that's kind of like the central characters in the book. They're like, I think it's their grandfather or like their best friend. Uh, oh no, it's the it's the youngest daughter. That's it. Uh, she had like she needs insulin. And so, like, there's a whole thing about, like, holy shit, our daughter's going to die because we can't find insulin. Uh, I missed something. Is this something you wrote? Is that what you just said? No, this is something I read. Read. I heard wrote. I got excited. Uh, So the, the whole premise was, like, they were looking at this and they're like, we don't know what we're going to do in order to keep her alive because insulin doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, exactly. You don't want me on your Mad Max team. I'm telling you. Insulin is problem one. Insulin is problem one. Problem two is when the UC kicks in and I'm just bleeding, dripping blood out of my ass. Trust me. I'm not on your team. See, but that's how we make it cool. Is that way we just paint your ass cheeks and your <laughs> own blood, and we, we call you the streaker or something like that, right? Okay, but I'm. A, it's not just like casually dripping blood. Like there's a lot of pain. I can't do anything. I'm constantly shitting the blood. It's I am a burden during Mad Max. I'm telling you. I'm. I'm not saying you're around for long. I'm just saying. We, <laughs> but you're gonna get. You're gonna get entertainment out of me while you can. Is what I'm hearing. Right? I'm, I'm saying is we strap you right to the hood of a vehicle and we tell all the communities we're raiding. Right. This is what happens when you don't listen to us mm. and you get to scream in pain. Right. And then at the end of the night, we take you down and we're like, oh, oh you, like, are you OK? We got more medicine from them. Here you go, buddy. Like you get first choice. Nice. <laughs> right? That's very nice. Right? It's symbiotic, right? <laughs> well, 2020 has been something. And we yeah, are the good. first persons to ever say that. Right. And uh, I think we're at a, we're at an hour thirty, so we can release an hour thirty, and I, I think we're good here. Yeah. Um, you know go to our merch store, which is located at. Uh, you can find our merch store at Teespring slash stores slash Touch of Swag. 
and we do plan to bring in guests. We are. This is the first uh, remote episode we've done where we are not in the same room, so we're working the bugs out there. There's probably not that many bugs. We just don't know what they're we're doing, but we will right. get guests. Uh, we got our next episode is going to be a good one. I'm very excited about it. I, I'm going to show Rafiq another fantastic film. And uh, I got a question for you, Rafiq. Yeah? Well, what's that? So how about this? So how about this? No. So how about this? 